You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Our core value, authentic community. Um, That's in no shape, um, in order of anything. Our first order, our first number one core value is Jesus-centered. That's number one. That doesn't change. That doesn't move. Um, We find ourselves now, I don't know how many weeks in, four weeks in, and we are, we have the privilege to talk about authentic community. And we are better together than we are alone. And we seek to be a community that God might dwell among. Loving, open, truthful, welcoming, and non-judgmental. Grace should be given freely when we encounter one another's faults. And scripture will be our blueprint for handling differences and offenses as as led by the Holy Spirit. So that is our core value as a church here in RLA. When we talk about authentic community, this is what we strive to be. I don't believe we are there yet, but I believe that we take every step, every measure to be that, to model authentic community. Amen? In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. John 13, 34 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Ecclesiastes 4, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 9 to 12 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defended or defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. These are three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Three small examples of togetherness and love in just those three scriptures. The importance of togetherness, the importance of team, the importance of loving each other and watching each other's backs, sharpening each other, encouraging one another. All throughout scripture, we see these words like unity, love, affection, yet we still tend to find reasons and reasons why that we need to find a way out of living those things. Even though all scripture is directed in love and togetherness and in unity and affection. As as brothers and sisters in Christ, as sons and daughters of Jesus, we still find ways out to not live that way. We were made for connection. We were made to have relationship with each other. And we are actually the most socially connected group of people today. We have Facebook friends. We have Instagram followers. We have Snapchat friends. We have Twitter followers. I don't know any other ones that are around. But we have friends. We have tons of friends. I have about 300 followers or friends on Instagram. And I probably talk to like nine of them. Right? Facebook friends, I don't even know how I, what I have. I don't go on Facebook anymore. But we have hundreds of friends. Hundreds of followers. We are connected to so many people, so many apps, so much media that helps us connect and have the ability to maintain relationships with people. 
That's why we have those things, correct? So we can maintain relationships, so we can build relationships, even when they're not in the same room with us. The ability to maintain relationships with people and stay connected with our friends and our friends all around the world. Though many of us have so much more friends than we could actually even keep up with, right? So many more friends that we could even count on. We still find ourselves with little to no real relationships and friendships. The 300 people you have on Instagram don't really matter on a Thursday, on a Wednesday, when you're going through it with your, with your wife, with your husband. You don't run to Facebook. Right? We still find ourselves with little to no relationships and friendships. We still wrestle with loneliness and emptiness. And I believe that this is often a counterfeit of community. We're so wrapped up on, on social media, and it's not here to bash social media, but I'm saying that that could be a counterfeit because we think we're connected. We think that we have... I've never seen that before. That's weird. Um, Jordan's sending me messages up there. That totally took me out. <laughs> a counterfeit community of togetherness is when we focus on our socials, focus on our followers, focus on our friends, uh, our online friends. Um, the numbers may be rising through the roof. You may be getting new followers daily, but there are actually no real life relationships being made or being built. We have fallen for a counterfeit. And the definition of a counterfeit is, is something that is made in the exact imitation of something valuable or important with the intention to deceive or defraud. You guys get that? Because we have friends online, because we have friends at work, because we have friends here and there, do we really have real lasting communi uh, community and friendships and relationships? So this, this, this is the counterfeit, and it, and it kind of distorts our picture of what community looks like. It distorts our feelings of what community is. And some of us have even turned down the, impor the importance of community altogether. We have this mindset of all I need is me, myself, and I. We have learned to rely solely on ourselves. We will work hard to meet our own needs, our own emotional needs, our physical needs, even our spiritual needs. Because we don't even have to go to church anymore. We can stay home and we can watch it online. Because we believe this lie that nobody will understand us. That no one cares for us. That nobody can really help me or be there for me. Whether that's because of past hurts, whether that's because of issues and things in our past, we have brought that everywhere we go that there's nobody here for me. I can do this alone. There's no, we, we always hear the quote that there is no I in team, but there is an M in the E, me, right? I'll do it myself. We have become the, some of the most self-focused, self-reliant, self-centered people that we are so consumed on us that we have no concern or even time for real community. 
What matters most is what makes us happy, what makes us feel good, and what causes the least drama and stress in our lives. And I think we've all been there. We've all asked those questions. Do I really need more people in my life? Do I really need more opinions? Do I really need more voices? Do I really need more headaches? Right? We've all been there. It's not just me, right? Am I just exposing myself? (laughs) Right? We would love to think that we have it all together, that we have all the answers, but many of us are still suffering from anxiety, from depression. We still feel alone on a daily basis. We still feel lonely. The whole world is still struggling with this. They want to be alone. They want to be locked up, but they're still suffering from something that we all want. We all want community in some way, shape, or form. Community, togetherness, relationships, friendships. And I'm not saying this because I have all the answers, but I'm saying it, and I know a community is hard, but I know that it's, it's, it's important. Friendships are important. Togetherness is important. And I know it's not easy, and I know it's uncomfortable. And I know that it comes natural for us to worry about ourselves and focus on our own. But it's important that we do not deceive ourselves. No matter our past, no matter our upbringing, no matter the followers or the numbers that we have on social media, doesn't matter your baggage, your past, or where you're from, we as a church, as RLA, are called to community. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. Doesn't matter what part of town you're from. We are called to community together. Amen. Amen. We are not better alone. It's not okay to sit off to the side and just do you. We understand that no person is an island and can walk out this life by themselves. Many have tried, and they always find themselves in the same place alone. We are called to community. But not just any community. Our earthly view of community can lead us to a counterfeit view of what community actually is. The dictionary defines community as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. It's kind of shallow. A group of people who share the same interests and live in the same area. So basically, we define community as two things. What we like and our surroundings. According to the dictionary, we are into the same things. We like the same things. We live in the same area. Maybe we work in the same office. Maybe we listen to the same music. We binge watch the same Netflix uh, TV shows. Maybe we have the same hobbies. So we have something in common. There's a common interest. We live in the same city. We live maybe on the same block. We happen to be the same age. We have, maybe we attend the same church. But is that community or is that interest? We can be in the same proximity. We can have the same things in common and never actually be in real community and togetherness. And it's true. Interest doesn't mean closeness. Interest doesn't equal oneness. Interest doesn't make it mean or equal unity. Proximity and close quarters doesn't mean connection or community or togetherness or unity. Amen? Interests change. Surroundings change quite often. Those things don't last. Our hobbies don't last. Amen? Okay. 
Do you have anything to add? Okay. All right. So just for example, these are some things that I want to present to my church. Is there any judgment here? No? Okay. You guys going to accept me, right? As I'm vulnerable to you all? Okay. Thank you. These are just things that I have interest in. These are things that make me comfortable. Okay. How, and I need your help. So we're going to show of hands. How many of you are the ages of 35 to 36? Raise your hand. 35 and 36. 35 and 36. Some of you are cheating. Okay. How many of you like sports? Raise your hand. Yeah. No, no, just, just like sports. How many of you love watching movies? Raise your hand. I hate movies. How many of you love hip-hop music? Oh. All right. How many of you have kids the ages of four to six? Raise your hand. All right, this is the important one. Who likes pro wrestling? All right. There's a few hands. There's a lot more hands that went up than I, I initially thought of. So maybe I am in the right place. But um, according to the earthly picture or the idea of community, there's really nobody the same age as me, besides Kim, Sam, Brett, and Kathy, and Sarah. But you're leaving. Really? Yeah. You're leaving us. That's one less 35-year-old. And Steph. So when I walk through this building and I, and I, and I come to this church and I look, see, because my first interest is who looks like me, who's the same age as me? There's not very many around. So either, usually this church is usually either younger or older than what I would, I would like. <laughs> if we're going off interest, right? Not very many love pro wrestling. A lot of you love hip hop. That's, that's, that's good. But basically, we, I stand out here. I stand out here, right? Maybe I wouldn't feel welcome here because of the music I like. Maybe I would feel uncomfortable because of the interests that I have. Or maybe there's not a lot of little kids running around. So my kids stand out. But because of the interests and because of what I have to offer, you know, it's, it's different, right? And if community was based solely on interests, there would be really a hard time to connect with this church for me. Because you don't look like me. You don't dress like me. You don't have kids like me, right? You don't do what I do. You don't work where I work. It's going to be difficult. But that's a counterfeit picture of community. See, counterfeit community makes you ask the question, what do I have in common with these people? And it's not about what we have in common, right? If I don't see someone who looks like me, lives near me, or do what I do, the same line of work as me, then I cannot connect with anyone here. Everyone's so different, right? The reasoning is basically shallow and very superficial. 
We are all made for community in a deeper sense of community. So church, tell your neighbor that they are created for authentic community. Let them know that authentic community is real. Tell your neighbor they are better to, that we are better together. It's your turn now. Okay. So Steve got the first part. Um, so like Steve said, if interests were the only thing that we were focusing on, then our community here at Restoration LA would be pretty shallow, right? But um, the deep connection that we all share is who's inside of us, and that's Jesus, right? That's our deep connection. So everybody in here, if you have Christ in your heart, we were all once dead in our sins, and we've all been made alive in Christ. We've all been forgiven of our debt and been uh, given freedom. We were all once outsiders of God's promise and being in relationship with him, but now we've been brought in um, and can partake of his promises. We all have hope now because of Jesus. We have God in this world. We've all been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus. We've all been united to Christ. So instead of interest, we actually share in our identity with who we are as God's people. And how did we, uh, sorry, how did we deserve this? We didn't and we don't, which is one of my favorite scriptures. It's Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, and it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So we've all been given the gift of salvation. We're all on an equal playing field. There's nobody in here that's greater, and there's nobody in here that's less. We've all been given access to God through Christ's blood. So uh, if you guys want to go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, and that's where just a lot of those... Uh, a lot of those things just came from that scripture, but it's in verse uh, verse 14, um, Paul talks about when Christ went to the cross, he actually reconciled us to be a new humanity. So it says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility, hostility that separates us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So we are the one body that Christ died for. We are the one new people group that he reconciled um, on the cross. 
So it's with that understanding, I just wanted to share along with Steve is just that that counterfeit of interest is pretty shallow, but we as God's people have to remember who we are in Christ. That will always link us together, no matter what we feel in our flesh, what we see in the natural. Hey, that person passed by and didn't say hi to me. They haven't called me. Like, what's going on? That stuff doesn't matter. What what matters is what's inside of us. Christ's blood is in each and every one of us. And that's the connection that we have. Okay, and so it's with that understanding, I'll go back to our core value. It's this first thing that we are better together than we are alone. So when we came alive in Christ, we actually were adopted into God's family, each and every one of us. It says we all have become members of God's household. And so I want you guys to turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So not only are we a part of God's family, not only together are we God's household, but we're also called the body of Christ. Okay, so read with me uh, in verse two. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many for." All its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they are all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And Romans 12, uh, four to five echoes this, and it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So each one of us make up one body. Say that with me, one body. And each member belongs to the others. So our union with Christ was never meant to be something separate from the body of Christ. To be united to Christ is to be united to his body. I'm going to say that again. So to be united to Christ is to be united to his body. So say it with me. We are better together than we are alone. We have to be aware of who God has called us to be. Awareness is our offense when we come up against the enemy of what a, a loneliness or of wanting to be separate from the body, when we're aware of our oneness, we are on the offense. Um, 
God has called us to be connected as one body, a body that he has brought together. And not only are we described as a body, but in Ephesians 2, it also says we're a holy temple, uh, God's holy temple that he's building up. So there might be some uh, bricks in here. There might be some lights in here. There might be some beams in here. But all of us together are forming that temple where God can dwell. Okay? And um, not only that, but I love this picture of uh, uh, in Revelation um, there's also the picture of us, the church, being Jesus's bride. And it doesn't say that Jesus is going to come back for two brides or three brides, but one bride. He's coming back for one united bride. Um, so we were never meant to not be connected. And I think living in the society that we're in and the world that we live in and the city that we live in, it is very isolated. It's very, you do things on your own. You live on your own. You strive to, to make your own way and pave your own pathway. But when it comes to the church, we have not been called to live life that way. We've been called to live life connected. We share in oneness together. So anything else um, is actually the counterfeit. So uh, the counterfeit will uh, will want to be alone, will want to strive on its own, will want to grow apart from the body of Christ. So when you see that, run, okay? That's not a healthy church, okay? If people want to grow on their own, okay? So what does it take? Uh, so what does taking on a oneness mindset look like? Um, it's seeing each person as needed and important. There's not one person in this room that is not needed and important in this church, Absolutely. in the body of Christ as a whole. Uh, each of us have gifts, we have talents, we have God inside of us, which means that when we are together, we bring something to the whole. We can't be whole without you. Yeah. Uh, and understanding our oneness was orchestrated by God, and it's his divine plan that we're walking out. So it's his divine plan as I look around this room that none of us look the same. We're all from different backgrounds. We're all from different economic standings, all from different places, different families, styles, preferences, likes, all of us. But God has placed each and every one of us together. It's his orchestration. So if you got a problem, take it up with the, the boss. Um, but... We also have to understand that our oneness, our togetherness is powerful. Yes. It is power. It's power on this earth. Okay. And we see some of these moments where the Holy Spirit just did radical things um, with the early church because they were together. Um, in Acts 1.14, it says, all these with one accord were devoted, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. We know what happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Um, Acts 2.46 to 47, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people which led to the Lord, adding to their number day by day. 
So when you read these scriptures, it's always been about togetherness, 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 together. It's never one person or the leaders or the pastor of the church and then the church grew. It's always together. The church was together. The church was together. Um, and Paul was continually reminding the early church as they faced persecution, as they were separated, endure, be of one mind, one spirit, one heart, because he knew that walking away from that would cause division. And when we're divided, we can't be powerful together, okay? But we're powerful when we're together and of one mind. Um, Um, but I did want to just say, uh, I'll say one more thing, uh, before Steve goes, but, um, in John 10, 10, um, it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus is saying, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. The enemy knows that the church is powerful when we are together, when we're united in mind, spirit, body, and heart. He knows that we're powerful. We're powerful on this earth. We're going to attract people to God. We're going to be that dwelling place that people are attracted to, that they want to come see. What is Jesus doing? What? God? God's still alive and doing miracles? Yes. Come and see. Come to this church. But when we're divided... We can't be the ambassadors of Christ. We can't walk in the mission because our body is going to be separated. We're going to be tripping all over ourselves. Um, but when we're together, we can carry out the mission that God has called us to carry. Uh, but some, uh, I'll just share a couple of these, but some of the tactics I think the enemy tries to use or kill our togetherness can be isolation you know, allowing the mindset, I'm alone. No one has reached out to me, I'm alone. But we have to combat this by remembering, oh wait, no, that's not true. I know the blood of Christ is in me and the blood of Christ is in them and them and them. And I can reach out to any one of my brother and sisters and know that I'm not alone. Um, pride, offense, unforgiveness, um, an independence mindset. You guys have probably heard some of these. I don't need the church to grow, I can grow on my own. It's okay to be a lone ranger, or I love God, but I can't stand the church. I've heard that one lots of times. I love God, but I can't stand the church. And if you look at the spirit behind these, it's all about independence. Me, myself, and I, we're going to get this journey. I'm going to see Jesus on my own. But as you remember, he's coming back for one bride. We're one body and one bride. And so in, in knowing that, how I said, as I look around this room, we're, we're all pretty different, okay? And uh, I think God's pretty funny in that it says in Ephesians that it's his wisdom. His wisdom was to bring the church together through the gospel. And so when you think about all these different personalities being brought together, we're going to have some arguments arise. We're going to have some differences arise. Um, but the key is to maintaining that oneness because we can be healthy even in our differences. We could be healthy even in arguments. Like Steve said, if we had a body that was all, we all had everything in common, we never fought, like how deep are our relationships? I told Steve, uh, 
<laughs> I guess I'll share. Yeah. But like, I, I just thought of like me and Steve as a marriage and I'm like, wow, we've, we fight a lot, but you know what? I will, I will say that a lot of the arguments when we take the side, the, take the time to look at each other and reflect and go through it together and confront things, we are always better on the other side. So I think God knew what he was doing when he brought all these different people together. Um, but like I said, it, it's not always gonna be butterflies and roses, but we, we have the keys in scripture to help us through division. And so my hubby will continue on that. So we are better together than we are alone. We seek to be a community that God might dwell among. He is the center. He is the foundation. He is the reason why we gather. Amen? So loving, open, truthful, welcoming, non-judgmental. Grace should be given freely when we encounter one another's faults. When? We encounter one another's faults. When? Not if. When? When we encounter each other's, one another's faults, we will give grace. Grace should be given freely when we encounter one another's faults, and Scripture will be our blueprint for handling differences and offenses as led by the Holy Spirit. What would be the blueprint? Not, not, not our fist. Not, not our mouths, right? Not, not our attitudes. Scripture, right? But before we get in there, God is here. He has made community. So we will be loving, open, truthful, welcoming, and non-judgmental. Those five things are not always the easiest things to do. Right? It's hard. I get that. I know that. I, I live that on a daily basis. I struggle with being non-judgmental. I'm a pretty judgmental person, right? Welcoming. I try to be welcoming, but sometimes I'm busy. Sometimes things are, I'm, I'm, you know, things are going through my mind. I, I try to be loving. I try to be open. I try to be truthful, but sometimes when I'm truthful, I say some things that I probably shouldn't say in a way that I shouldn't have said it. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. So how do we keep this authentic community thriving and growing strong? Grace. Grace. Grace should be given freely when we encounter one another's faults, and scriptures will be our blueprint for handling differences and offenses as led by the Holy Spirit. Grace, and that is a huge word, and it is a, it is, it is a huge word, and it's an important word. Grace is the key to having authentic community. If you've been married for more than two minutes, you know that grace is key and huge and important in that marriage. Amen. So what is grace? Grace is not giving someone something they deserve. Grace is God's character. It's who he is. Grace is a gift. God has given each of us the gift of grace. Amen? If there is air in our lungs today, and we were able to wake up and drive to church, put on our shoes, it's because God has allowed that to be. God has given us grace. 
God has allowed grace to be poured upon us. Jesus is the ultimate example of what grace looks like. Not your mom, not your teachers, not, not your, you know, your old Sunday school teacher. Jesus is the ultimate example of what grace looks like. Because Jesus already did the ultimate act of grace. Ephesians chapter 2. Some of these we've already uh, went through very quickly. But, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved, that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. Grace. The reason why authentic community is so hard to work out, because it's so easy to be offended and hurt and easily angered. It's so easy to be offended. I remember when I first entered the church, I never heard so many words that I didn't understand what they were about. Like new words. Like I've never used any of these words in a sentence. Words like sanctification, justification, righteousness, and offense. Like offense is a church word. I've never heard that word being used ever in any sentences until I came into the church. It's kind of true. I've never heard that word ever used before I walked into a church. And I understand that offense is real. I understand that hurts are real. I understand that um, people pushing our buttons and things being, being uh, people being hurt is a real thing. And I understand that, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm not talking about abuse when we're talking about offenses. I'm not talking about, you know, some real stuff that went down in a church. I'm talking about just the little offenses, right? Just the little, just the little things, the little attitudes, the little, the little annoying things that we all deal with, right? The small annoying things, the attitude and the spirit of who's going to mess this up for me this Sunday? Right? We walk into church, we're carrying our offenses like an accessory, never realizing that, hey, at the end of the day, you're on, we're only hurting ourselves when we carry these offenses, right? We're only weighing ourselves down when we're dealing with offense. And offenses are only here to, to, to create a divide, to create um, a wedge in between our community. That's all that offenses do. But we walk into church and we're waiting for people to hurt us. Or we walk in a church and we're waiting for people to disappoint us. Or we, we're waiting for people to let us down. We're waiting for people to fail. And that is not the spirit that God has called us to have as, as a community. 
There is no way to live in an authentic community if we are around each other. Oh, that is no way to live in an authentic community. Just waiting for people to mess up. Just waiting for things to go wrong. If we are around each other long enough, there will be issues. If we hang out with enough, uh, long enough, there, there will be situations that, that pop up. There will be letdowns. There will be miscommunications. It's bound to happen. My kid will fight your kid. Take his stuffed animal. It, it's bound to happen. But when it does, how we respond to those things are crucial. And how we should respond is with grace. Not with E for everyone. Not with fire tongue. With grace. It's a core value. We will use the word of God as the blueprint to handle these situations. We use the word of God because everything starts and ends with Jesus. And everything in between. As a church, we are about Jesus. Our core value, number one, Jesus is the center. We always will go to Jesus on how to handle these situations. So when we're facing offenses, we are quick to find someone who feels what we feel. So we go to God first. We go to the word of God. We don't go to the person that, you know, hey, Royce, has, uh, has Ken ever made you feel uncomfortable like when he's talking about football and he's just like all upon you and he's... Like, you don't, we don't go to people to say, hey, hey, you know, did, had, Ian, did Ken ever, like, tell you about football and, like, really aggressive about the Dallas Cowboys? Like, it's kind of, like we don't do that, right? We just, we're going to go to the Word of God. When we're facing offenses, we're not going to be quick to find someone who feels the same way that we feel or saw the same thing that we saw. Or we don't want to run to Facebook or run to our family members and let them know what happened. Sometimes we, we don't even run to people. We just run right out the door. And we never settle things or go to the word of God on how to solve those issues or to solve the, the, the situation. We run everywhere and anywhere except to that person who caused an offense, who hurt us, who didn't answer your phone call, whatever it is. We run everywhere else except for that person. And if we don't go to the word for answers and for direction, we will resort to leaning on our own understanding. We will use our mouth to destroy and to tear down and to hurt. We will be filled with anger. We will be angry. And we, of course we can't come in here and worship. And of course we can't hear God because we're so fueled by anger and we're mad. Because the guy keeps sitting in my seat. But, we're, but yet we're not doing anything about it in a grace-filled way. We're not having conversations. We're just, we're just simmering in offense. Matthew verses, uh, chapter 18, verse 15 to 17 says this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Simple as that. How do I handle somebody who's offending me? How do I handle an issue in the life of our church? What do I do? If a believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Let him know. Hey, Ken, you keep sitting in my seat, man. And then Ken will let you know, I'm so sorry about that. We don't really have assigned seats in church, right? 
just to let everybody know that we don't have assigned seating in church. If the other person listens and confesses it and says, hey, you know what? You're right. I didn't notice. You have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, then take one or two others with you and go back again. Leadership. Take a deacon. Take an elder. If, if we're talking about real-life offenses, real stuff, get some people involved. Get some leaders involved. People who love you, both parties, and go to that person and let them know. Right? Take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, uh, still refuses to listen take your case to the church. Then he or she won't accept the church decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector, kick him out. But hopefully we don't have to go that far. Because once again, our, our, our offenses are usually small. Right? It's like our arguments with our wives. Usually there's small stuff, not the big The big stuff we're prepared for, you're ready for, it's the small things like putting your favorite shirt in the dryer. But you'll be arguing and fighting for like months about the same little thing. Right? It's the little things. Go to that person. If you have an issue, seek some perspective. Come talk to an elder. Come talk to a deacon. And say, how do I solve this problem? Not, can you believe that James looks at me funny when I preach? Right? Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 23 to 26 says, So if you're presenting a sacrifice, a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Go and be reconciled. Go fix it. Go get it straight. There's no reason to have things simmering and waiting and just cooking. Get it done. Ephesians chapter 4, just the attitude that we have to have as a church. And I know some of this is, is we're repeating, but therefore I, a prisoner for serving, for serving the Lord, beg you, this is Paul, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Paul knew we need to make allowance for our faults. We're human. We're going to step on each other's toes every now and then. We're going to miss a text every now and then. We're going to miss a handshake every now and then. I won't be able to invite you to a birthday party every now and then. But make an allowance for me. Make an allowance for each other. Give grace for each other. And if there is something that is really going on in the life of your church, then I would expect that we would love each other enough that we would go and say, hey, Jordan, you really bothered me, man. You hurt me when you said that thing. And if Jordan loves me enough, he's going to say, man, I didn't even know I said it like that. I'm so sorry. It happens all the time. I do that all the time. I say things that don't, don't come out right. Always, constantly. And I have to correct it, and I have to say I'm sorry, and I'm okay to say I'm sorry. But if you know me and you love me, you know, like, oh, Steve didn't mean it like that. When we do things God's way, there will be fruitfulness. When we do things God's way, and we do community God's way, there will be goodness. There will be abundance. 
There will be hope. There will be power. There will be strengthening among us. Ephesians 4, 21, 26 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Tell your neighbors, uh, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are part of the same body. Like Jessica said, we're part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of it. If there's any amount of bitterness inside you, get rid of it. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of your harsh words, your slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving to one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Man, we must put on an attitude of Christ. If he is willing to die on a cross for sinners who deserve death, then we can be willing to have an uncomfortable conversation. We give up ourselves and humble ourselves and we lay down our pride and we trust Jesus to be the one who is going to repair, to restore, to redeem, and to rebuild. As Christians, as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, we walk in forgiveness. We started off in Acts 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The early church is an amazing picture of what community looks like. They were devoted to each other, and they were devoted to God. And that should be what we're devoted to here in the life of our church. Not just interests, not just hobbies, not just where we're from in East L.A., but we are devoted to each other and we are devoted to God. Authentic community happens when we lay down our pride and we lay down our past hurts. We can't take our past hurts from other churches and other situations and bring them into this church. That's not, that's not healthy. That's not safe. That's not good. We got to lay those things down. We got to lay down our fears, our worries, and we got to devote ourselves to God, to his word, and we got to devote ourselves to each other. Amen? So how do we do this? How? Give me something practical. What are we supposed to do? What's our first step? Our first step is this. Listen to this. Love one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Show grace to one another. Forgive one another. Admonish one another. Keep fervent in love for one another. Use our gifts to serve one another. Greet one another. Be of the same mind towards one another. 
Speak in songs and hymns to one another. Build up one another. Comfort one another. Pray for one another. Live in peace for one another. Seek after that which is good for one another. Clothe ourselves in humility towards one another. Live in submission to one another. Confess sins to one another. Give preference to one another. Honor and encourage one another. Those are our steps. That is the heart behind our community. That is the heart behind our church. Who would reject this community? Who would say that, man, you know what, that community who does all of that, that, that's just, that's weird. I don't want anything to do with that church. That church is too real, too authentic. They love too much. Right? They honor each other way too much in that church. Man, they pray for each other in that church. That's weird. Who says that? Man, there's too much honor. There's too much respect. There's too much encouragement happening there. I'm out. I don't want anything to do with it. You know what? I went into that church, and everybody was too uplifting. They're too helpful. I just said I was moving, and then here we go. A whole church came and helped me move. That's a little weird for me. I don't want that. Man, they were too powerful. You know what? I went there, and I was worshiping, and it was too peaceful there. There was nobody arguing. It's too real. It's too authentic. Like Jessica said, John 10.10 The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Satan's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus' purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God desires oneness and connection and unity and community. That's what God desires. And we have to remember, because it's real, that the devil desires to bring division and isolation and disunity. And he will use each other. He will use situations. He will use text messages. He will use fantasy football leagues. He will use soccer games. He will use whatever he can to just stop that from happening and just put a wedge in our community together. We cannot be devoted to Jesus and choose to be alone and isolated. And we cannot be devoted to each other if we're allowing division and disunity to fester inside of us. The common interest, like Jessica said, in our community, in RLA's community, is Christ and each other. And wanting to see new faces come into that community. That's what we want to see. That's authentic relationship. That's authentic community. Amen. In authentic community, there's intentionality in every coffee. There's purpose in every park day. And there's power behind every text message. This is authentic community. It's real. Some of you may say, I don't need any more friends to even to attend church. I don't need to attend church to make friends. And you may not need more friends to attend church. That's true. Just to sit down on a Sunday. You may not need more friends in your life to do that. But we're on a mission. We are on a mission together and for each other. We're not just attending a Sunday service. We're on a mission. You're on a mission. I am on a mission. And it's your mission and your job to not let me slip. Just as much as it's my job to not let you slip and to let you not fail. So you not fall. So I can watch your blind spots and you can watch our blind spots. That is community. And that's why we're about what Jesus wants. Amen.
you do that. All right. I think we're going to, uh, we're just going to pray right now, but, um, yeah, if you feel like here I am, Lord, I want to be a part of that authentic community that you're building. Go ahead and stand. And this morning, we just want to pray. We want to be ready for people that don't know the Lord, that when they come in these doors, they'll see a healthy, thriving, authentic, real community. Amen. Um, so, Lord, we just we thank you for this morning. Uh, Jesus, we we put you in the center, Lord. We thank you for what, you, what you've done for us on the cross. God, we thank you that we are alive in you, God. Once dead, but now we are alive in you, God. We thank you for giving us the privilege of being united to you. Thank you for us just being able to have relationship with you, Lord. God, we thank you for um, just the body of Christ, God. As I look around this room, God, I thank you for every person that's here, Lord. We thank you that your blood runs through each and every one of us, God. By grace, we have been saved. By grace, we are connected. By grace, we are powerful together in you. God, I pray that we would be that dwelling place, Lord, where you can just have your way. God, that there would be nothing that would hinder you from moving into our lives, moving into the surrounding community and cities around us, the nations around us. God, that we would be vessels for you, God. Lord, we pray that this would be a house of authentic relationship, Lord, yes, Lord, that when we have an offense, God, when differences rise up, God, that we would have the boldness by your spirit to uh, confront those things, God, in power and more impo most importantly, in love, yes, in, in the same manner that you showed us, God, the grace that you give us, the undeserved favor. Lord, you are grace in person. Lord, and we hope to be more like you, God, as we walk this life out with you, Jesus. God, I pray that, um, that we would be ready. God, there's, there's people going to hell. God, there's people going to hell that don't know you. There's dead people out there, God, that need to know who you are, that need to be made alive, that need to be free from bondage and yes, brokenness, God. We want to be a healthy place that they can come into. We yes. want to reflect your goodness, yes, your Lord. love, your power, your realness of this is who I once was, but now I'm in Christ and this is who I am now. God, we want to be ready for those people, Lord. So I pray, God. God, as we're standing together, as you see our hearts this morning, God, would you grow the capacity in us to be this community, God? Grow it in us, God. Uh, grow our faith, God. Grow our boldness. Grow our dependence on you, Lord. We give you all the glory, Jesus, and we look ahead in excitement for all you're going to do and um, all the plans and the purposes that are going to be fulfilled in you, Lord. We give you this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Are you guys good? Are you guys ready for real community? Awesome. So um, let's go out and love our world. And I uh, just an encouragement. If there is any offenses taking place, go to that person. Go to that person. 
If there is anybody who needs prayer for those offenses, I'll be here and, and we can pray for those things. Um, we, we do want to make room for, for God to move in, those, in, in that area right now of offenses. Why not? Why, why hold it for another day? Why carry it for another day? Amen? Awesome. Be blessed. We love you guys. Don't forget about Rise Up. Don't forget about home groups. Have a great day. Amen? Amen. Awesome.